Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest this week is drummer and nephew of Miles Davis, Vince Wilburn Jr. But first of all, the big news, the sales numbers for the United States for the first half of the year are up by 18%, according to the RIAA. Streaming now accounts for 80% of the total revenue. No one ever thought that would ever happen. Well, a few of us thought it would happen. There's now 60 million paid subscribers in the United States. Now figuring that there's only 350 million people, that's pretty good. Still a ways to go. Streaming alone brought in $4.3 billion in the first half of the year. That's up 31% over last year. Now, the interesting thing here is a physical product only makes up 9% of the sales volume anymore. And believe it or not, vinyl about half of that. And maybe by the end of the year, vinyl sales may outpace CD sales. Even though CD sales actually increased by a little less than 1%. Who would have thought, right? Digital downloads still account for about 9% as well. And that's pretty interesting given the fact that I don't know of anybody that pays for digital downloads anymore. Now, high-res downloads, perhaps, but not normal downloads. So the music industry made about $5.4 billion in the first half of the year, which means it's on course to do more than 10 and almost 11 billion, which, boy, it hasn't done that in a really long time. Now, again, this is all in the United States. Another interesting fact is that music contributes $143 billion to the general American economy every year. Now, this includes everything that has to do with music, musical instruments, touring, sales, publishing, you name it. If there's music involved, it's in that figure. But that being said, it's an enormous amount. So we should all be happy that music does play a major part in the average American's life. And it looks like it will continue to do so for a while, and they are paying for it as well. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyowinnercircle.com. Don't forget about my online courses on mixing, production, branding, and music business success at bobbyosinskicourses.com. Also, Get an expert analysis and objective opinion of your songs and mixes as a member of my Hitmakers Club. Go to hitmakersclub.com to learn more. Now, it's the 40th anniversary of the Sony Walkman. And those of you who are fairly young are scratching your head and going, what is that? But it revolutionized the music business. In 1979, the Walkman was launched, and what it was was a portable cassette player. doesn't seem like a big deal today, but what that meant was you could actually take your music with you anywhere you went. Again, doesn't seem like a big deal, and transistor radios were around for at least 10 years, but being able to take your own personal music around with you was a big deal. It wasn't long before there were 200 million of these in the United States alone. Now, the Sony Walkman actually came about from the Sony Pressman, which was basically a recorder for journalists, which came out in 1977. 
But because the chairman of Sony wanted to take his music with them and was lugging around a big recorder, he asked his engineers to see if they could make something more compact. And guess what happened? The Walkman. When it came out in 1979, it cost $150, which is the equivalent of about $518 today. It wasn't long before cassettes outsold vinyl, believe it or not, in 1983. Now, to celebrate the 40th anniversary, Sony has come out with a digital Walkman, but it's actually pretty interesting. First of all, it's high-res, so it will play DSD files, high-res files, natively. There's a touchscreen to it. It's USB-C, Android, and Wi-Fi, and guess what? It has a special cover that looks like a cassette. And then when you open it up, the touchscreen looks like a cassette that's actually playing as music plays. So that's kind of cute. This is going to be available in November for a price of about $750. That's a retail price, so I expect it to be less than that. Nonetheless, the Sony Walkman lives in digital high-res form. My guest today is drummer and producer Vince Wilburn Jr., who has both toured and recorded with his uncle Miles Davis, on many legendary recordings from 1984 through 1987. He is also a producer on the Grammy-winning Miles Ahead soundtrack and is co-executor of Miles Davis Properties. Vince has played with a wide variety of bands, including AL7, The Dells, and Cameo, among many others. More recently, he's been running the Miles Electric Band and was also executive producer on the Don Cheadle film about his uncle, Miles Ahead, as well as the most recent documentary called Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. During the interview, we spoke about touring and recording with Miles, being a studio musician growing up in Chicago, pushing the limits of jazz, the responsibility of overseeing the Miles estate, and much more. I spoke with Vince via phone from his home in Los Angeles. So it was your Uncle Miles that gave you your first set of drums, is that correct? Well, my mom, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and, um, I was a little drummer boy in, 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 the, in the kindergarten play in, in, in John T. Peary School in Chicago. And so I just had a, this thing about playing drums. When Uncle Miles used to come to Chicago, when my parents would sit out in the audience, I, would, I wanted to stay back stage with Uncle Miles and, and, and you know stay in the wings and watch from the side. But I would always be fixated on the drums, you know, the drummer. And back then, you'd have three or four acts on, on one show. So that's, I just want, I was just always like watching the limbs of the drum, drummers, you know, and like, I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted to play that instrument. And Tony Williams told uh, trumpeter Wallace Roney years later that when he met me, he knew I was going to be a drummer. <laughs> you know, he knew that's what I wanted to do. So uh, my parents, I, 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 they, they, they talked to Uncle Miles about it. And Uncle Miles told my mom to get, buy me a, an expensive kit. And if I showed interest and that I stuck with it, then he'd get me the, the, the you know, the professional kit. And that's what happened. Ah, got it. Okay, so you get your first kit, and obviously you're gifted. So what happens then? Um, so I get it. My, mom, my parents buy me a kit from um Monroe Catalog uh, uh, place, like in like Sears and Roper, but it's Monroe Catalog in Chicago. It was a Norma kit, N-O-R-M-A. I go through this kit. Then my dad, Ludwig Drums, they were in Chicago on North Damon. 
So my dad bought me a Ludwig kit. Wow. A Bistolite kit, the clear kit. Yeah. And I loved it, and I loved it, and, and, I, I, and I wanted a sonar kit like Jack DeJanette, so I, trade, I sold it to the guy down the street. And then Uncle Miles said he had just signed with Yamaha, which they, they furnished him with Yamaha amps, you know, guitar amps, bass amps, uh, organ keyboards, and, um, and drum kits. So he gave, they gave one to Al Foster, the drummer at the time, and they gave one to Uncle Miles, and Uncle Miles gave me his kit. So that's when I really started playing Yamaha drums. And at this time, I, would, I had, had bands, you know, all through grammar school, high school. And um, Uncle Miles used to call him and have my mom put the phone down. And, and we, we could rehearse as long as our grades were. We could rehearse five days a week and play on the weekends. So he, Uncle Miles would critique us. He'd call us every day and have my mom put the phone down and, and listen to us rehearse. And then he'd, you know tell each member what to work on the next day. This went on for about three or four weeks. And this was like while we were in you know, high school, right out of high school. And um, that's how Man With The Horn happened. He invited us to New York to make Man With The Horn. He said, you guys want to make a record? So we were like, yeah. So he flew us to New York. Where did you record at? Was that at CBS Studios? The third famous 30th Street Studios in New York. Wow. The, the original Columbia Studios. Yeah. Boy. With Tio Macero producing and, and Stan Tonkel, uh, the engineer. That must have been an experience. Boy. Man. First of all, we were excited about being in New York, so we ordered a bunch of room service. <laughs> and uh, we stayed at the Sheridan Center. And Dr. George Butler was the executive producer. He was head of the jazz department. And I'll never forget it because we were inviting our boys from, you know, that from Chicago that lived in New York to have, come on, come on over, man, have some, some lunch on us. <laughs> and so Dr. George was getting the bills, you know, receiving all these outrageous room service bills. So he's like, man, you guys got to be cool, you know. <laughs> but we were so excited to be in New York, and we were, we were rehearsing in Uncle Miles Brownstone on West 77th Street, and they had all this gear from SIR come in. And then we 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 uh, recorded in New York at the 30th Street. Man, it was amazing. Gail Evans would be there. Come, you know, he'd come out and hang out at the studio, and yeah. we were working with T.O. and it was it was beautiful time. We did a we did a downbeat interview with Howard Howard Mandel, made the cover of downbeat. So it was pretty incredible. How long did it take you to make the record? Uh, we recorded around 25 songs in about a week. You know, yeah. but we were ready, man. You know, his ideas and the and Uncle Miles was 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 very and in, in, you know instrumental and 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 the composing and what he wanted from us, and so it it was like we we were turning them out, but only only three two made the record: Shout and Man with the Horn. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, but I mean, it's 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 the materials pretty pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah, and man, big fun playing with you know working with him. Sure. With Uncle Miles. Yeah. So, okay, when, obviously he's your uncle and he's imparted some advice to you, but then you started to play with them. That must have been a, a different level then. Were you kind of divorced from being like his nephew at that point in time and just another musician? You know what? I'm, you know what, man? A lot of people ask me that. It was never the nepotism thing, mm-hmm. you know, because um, cause the pressure was on to play or, or to, to, you know, to, to, to sink or swim, you know. So 
I'm kind of a guy. The more the pressure, the the, the, the better I, I I come out, you know, swinging and and, and produce, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was just the right time, right place, right time, you know. Um, we started cutting. It was the '80s, and Uncle Miles was digging these these funk vamps, and 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 you know, uh, MTV was prevalent at the time, and. He was digging Squiddy Politti, Mr. Mister, uh, uh, Michael Jackson, Prince, Cameo. And um, at the time, uh, uh, I think uh, we were in the studio working with uh, working on the song Human Nature for, for You're Under Arrest. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't think Al wanted to play it or something happened and he left. So I, w- I was co-producing and Uncle Monster would you know, get in the studio. We're gonna record this track. So they moved Al's drums out, and and the drummer Buddy Williams, New York drummer, had some 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 uh, camcos. We were at the record plant, I think it was the record plant, and, and we called Buddy to see if we could borrow his drums. You know, rent his drums out. They put, bring the drums in, mic them up, and that's me counting off you under arrest. Wow. So it would happen like that, you know. Yeah. The spontaneity. But I was I was under Al's wing, man. Al was, you know, he's like a teacher to me still. You know, all the Uncle Miles drummers, you know, Jack, Tony, Al, Jimmy Cobb, everybody, man. I, I, I you know, those are my heroes. And they're like family members to me. You went to American University, right? I went to American Conservatory of Music. And yeah, and all my buddies went to Berkeley, but I, I didn't want to, I, I wanted to stay in Chicago. So I didn't go too far. Okay, so that was after you went to New York to cut with Miles? No, New York was after that. Oh, I see. Okay. We we all just wanted to play, you know, when the, you know, cuz we, we wanted to play. You know, I, I I thought I wanted to teach, but then I got bitten by the performance bug, so Yeah. I was like cuz my mom was a teacher. She taught at public schools and my dad taught ROTC, but he was a military career man, career army. American Conservatory, then, is that what they groomed you for, for teaching? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they learn all the instruments. You know. Richard, Richard Patterson and I went there, basis. That's certainly a good skill to have, but on the other hand, it's kind of divorced from where you are now by a lot. Well, I mean, you can learn. If that's your thing, you know, you can learn it. You can get the degree and still have it under your belt. I just wanted to get out and play. You know, some guys finished and got their degree. I didn't. I, I went to... I transferred to the Miles Davis University. <laughs> That's yeah. what I called it. <laughs> right. You know, but man, it's, it's, it's good to have it under your belt. First, my mom, my mom wanted me to go to Florida A&M because she, she went to Fisk, you know, yeah. and that's the cannonball. And, 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 and I think Nat Adderley was the head of the jazz department down there around that time. Oh. I mean, cannonball had passed, of course, but I think Nat was still there. Yeah. Right. Right. I read somewhere that you played with the Dells and with Cameo. I play with the Dells. No, I play with the Shy Lights. Ah, I play with. We see in Chicago, we recorded with a lot of different groups because there was a lot of. Com, there were commercials. Like they call them jingles back then. Yeah. So there were a lot of studios and a lot of lot of, um, lot of um, kept a lot of musicians working. You know. Yeah. A lot of a lot of jingle houses. So I would do Soft Sheen. Soft Sheen was a was a was a a hair products uh, line yeah. by Johnson Products. Yeah. So guys would be all over the place doing, doing ads, you know, doing these jingles all day, and you know, and then playing at night. So 
I would get a call from Tom Tom. Tom Tom Washington was an arranger and went on to work with the Earth, Wind, and Fire. He worked with everybody. And so he would call me for these dates. And um, so whoever called, you know, you could work at Kurt Tom, at Curtis Mayfield Studio. You could be, <coughs> excuse me, at, at Staples. Um, Staples Singers had a studio on 103rd. You'd be all over the place. All these, all these different acts based in Chicago had studios. Mm-hmm. You could play on demos. I mean, it was so much work. You know, at night we recorded at Paragon Studios, and the and Ohio players would be there during the day. You know, on Huron. Yeah. So, it was an abundance of work for all of us, man, because the, the rates were cheaper at night. But I remember there was a stairway, and 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 this and and the Ohio players would be coming down the stairs from their session. We'd go up to record, and they'd pat us on our head. You know, <laughs> they have these full length mink curb full-length mink coats on and shit, and it's like, wow, you know, that's Ohio player. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I tease Diamond about that to this day, you know, but <laughs> it was a great time to grow up, and because and, and, we were all like sponges, man, trying to get all this music and play with all these different people. You know, Curtis Mayfield and, and the Impressions lived around the corner. The Five Stair Steps lived on 9019 King Drive. You know, we see the Iceman, Jerry Butler, you know. It was cool, man. And Pete Cozy, who played guitar with Uncle Miles, would take me all around to. They had the AACM, the Advancement Association of Advancement for Creative Musicians. They had the Pharaohs, with that's with Maurice White and all those guys. You know, yeah. they started that. We played with Ramsey Lewis. We played on his record, Three Piece Suite. So you know, we weren't turning down anything. Obviously, that was a, a very fertile time for music in Chicago. And mm-hmm. it's not like that anymore. It was the reason because of the jingle industry, because it was so strong and there was so much work? You know, but I think it was the jingle industry. I think the music, there's no record stores anymore. Yeah. You know, the, the music the, the music industry was the music industry, you know, where you had, where you were making records and then touring, you know, making records, touring. Now everything is, is starting to be streamed. You know, you don't even have CD players in cars anymore, you know? Back then, they had record promotion guys. It was a guy named Granville White. We called him Granny. He used to work for Columbia Records. And he used to come and bring my mom and dad records. Then Uncle Miles told him, he said, take this to my nephew. Take this certain record to my nephew so he could, you know, check this out. And that's how I listened to uh, James Brown, Big Payback, The Immortal, Otis Redding, The Band of Gypsies with, with Jimi Hendrix, you know, vinyl. You know, yeah. and, and then it, my boys and I, we would go to put our money together and, and go down to Rose Records, go to record stores and buy, purchase records, come back and listen to the entire record and dissect it and and then loan it out to the next guy. And then he'd take it for a week. You know what I mean? Because we all couldn't afford a bunch of records. And it was fun, you know, it was exploring music and, and, and not just, there's nothing wrong with just downloading a single, but we would get into the entire records, you know. Yeah, that's something that's really changed, not for the better. I blame CDs in a way because what happened was all of a sudden you could fit, what, 80 minutes of music, 78 minutes of music on a CD, and people try to fill it up. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of filler where when you go back to vinyl, you'd have 35, 40 at the most minutes of music, and it was really digestible, and it was really easy to listen to the whole and thing. And you had to get into it, and you had to listen and be attentive, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like Bitches Brews... On those records, those sides were 35 minutes, 20 minutes long. You know, it's like, but that's what you wanted to do. That's what that's what our thirst was. We had a thirst for that, you know. Um, 
there was a there was a couple of radio stations in Chicago, The Loop and WXRT, and they would have live from the Agora Ballroom, you know, and you could hear, you know, you could hear all types of music. Then there was no, um, they didn't categorize music back then, you know. I remember um, going to see Journey. I remember going to see Sticks. I remember going to see um, um, Heart. I remember going to see, you know, you know, there, there was this small music. You know, uh, the Sticks, uh, the Pinazzo brothers went to high school close to my house from Chicago. Yeah. You know, so I remember when the original journey was Steve Perry, Steve Smith, and, and those guys, you know. Yeah. And, and, and there was, this, you know, those radio stations didn't, they, they, there, was no, there was no segregation. It was like you listen to James Brown, then, a, then Chicago, the group would play, and then you'd have uh, Led Zeppelin on, and then, and then you know, it was, it was, a, it was a mixture of, of different groups, man. To be into everything was cool, you know. You had to be ready. And then in Chicago, you had to be ready to play anything. You just couldn't play just R&B. You had to play blues. Should we play polkas? <laughs> you know what I mean? I bet, yeah. I'm right. serious. Yeah. Because we just, you know, we wanted to, we didn't want to miss anything. Well, you know, it's funny you should say that. I grew up in Pennsylvania, and we used to listen to the WMMR, which is the big FM station at the time. And it was the same thing. There'd be no categorization of music. It was all just Hell music. No. So you, you heard everything. You were exposed to everything. And then you kind of decided for yourself whether you liked it or not. And then you followed it. And, and that was really brilliant. And unfortunately, that's not available today. Well, sort of in playlists, but it's not the same. And then, see, nowadays, marketing people, you know, they, they market certain music to certain you know, certain ages, age groups. But man, back in the day, we could hear anything we wanted. And, and, and you know, my parents were listening to, to, to like some of my dad's friends like the Electric Miles, and some of my dad's friends like the, you know, Birth of the Cool and, and Kind of Blue and, and, and Sketches of Spain. And then some of my parents' uh, friends like, you know, like the Electric Periods, you know, like In a Sign Away and, and Jack Johnson and, and, and on the corner. So, you know, that's when it was fun, man. Where do you come down on that? What's your favorite period? I like it all, Bobby. I like, I'll listen to Kind of Blue. And I, I still have my vinyl. I'll listen to Kind of Blue and turn around and play on the corner. And I'll turn, and vinyl, I'll play Bitches Blue. Then I'll go back to Sketches of Spain. Then I'll, I'll listen to some of the Birth of the Cool. Then I'll, you know, I move around. I've got some Japanese imports of Agartha and, Man, I listen to that. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's you know, my I, vinyl seems just warmer to me. Yeah, I agree. So then it comes to the point where your uncle asks you to co-produce with them. So, mm -hmm. so what was that like? Because now you're in a different position with them. Now you're in a position where you you know your opinion matters more than it did before. Well, co-production with Uncle Miles is like just another set of ears, you know. Okay. Uh, nice. But it was, he made the final decision. You know, whenever you see a, a, a Miles Davis record, it always says uh, musical direction by Miles Davis, under, under you know, under Miles, uh, the direction of music by Miles Davis. It's because at the end of the day, Robert Irving and I, or whoever was the co-producers, we would take the dailies over to his house after, you know, he would leave early. And then he would listen to him. And then the next day he'd come in and, and change things, you know, 
So we were just like another set of ears and eyes, that's all. But he trusted us. That's a, a, a honor. Yeah. You know, I'm not taking it lightly. That's right. I mean, for anyone to be in that position, I think it's an honor because for another musician to trust you enough to want your opinion is one thing, but when you have, you know, a legend like that, that's on another level completely. Mm-hmm. You're closely tied with Miles' legacy. Has that gotten in the way of your career? No, because luckily I have time to 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 you know produce certain artists that I like. I had a I had a a production company called Neftrum Productions, and under the banner we had a I had artist Niles Rivers. I had a, a guitarist uh, Phil Upchurch. I had. A, a Persian um, um, violinist named Surin, you know, Surin. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just financially, I put up my own money and I took a bath on it. You know, I took a hit, but I had fun doing it. So to answer your question, no, because I have I have um, projects outside of of the estate. You know, I have this. I just finished this record called the Shy Town Social Club. With Daryl Jones, Nicholas Tremulous, Sean Alexander, Sean Sean Christopher, and myself, and um, that's fun. And then I have the Miles Electric Band, with consists of guys that play with Miles. But we just recorded a, a bunch of music with uh, Lenny White and I producing together in New Jersey. That what we're trying to do is in the theme, you know, in the love of spirit of Miles, but just a take, you know, different take on on new composition. So, I mean, then I just did a, a Bernard Fowler's record, who's out, out with the Rolling Stones, a vocalist. Yeah. And he took all of the Stones' lyrics and did spoken word on it. Uh, and I played drums on that. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I'm into anything and everything. Let's talk about this. So, you're used to playing or producing excellent musicians. And old school musicians who like to be all in the room with everybody else in the band as you're recording. That being said, the way things are these days, there's a lot of playing in isolation where you're layering and, and not necessarily playing to other people, you're playing to their tracks. Have you done much of that? Yes. I've done, I've done, I've done things where tracks were sent to me and I overdub. Mm-hmm. Um, part of this new session, uh, rubber band session that's going to be out uh, September 6th for Rhino. I, I did some, some, some overdubs at the, at the village here in LA. So, I mean, you know, it, it can come either way. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll record together. I have a studio, so we record together or I can, it's the sign of the times, Bobby, you know, you gotta be read. A lot of cats do, do that. They, they, they do recordings at home and send you the files and you, and you over I have a lot of, Musician friends that do that, yeah, you know, yeah, especially all over the world because it cuts back. You know, you don't have the big budgets you used to have back in the day. Yeah, you know, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it. You know, cost efficient. Sure, that's why a lot of cats have set up their own studios. Okay, I read somewhere where it said that you wanted to push the limits of jazz, change the course of jazz. What do you mean by that? Well. I I I, I, you know, I don't know I can't remember what interview that was where we, where we got it from but it's just that I, Uncle Miles taught me not to be complacent you know to 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 
to change and 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 and, 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 and you know the music should have an evolution, you know, and mm-hmm. never look back. So I guess that's what I meant. Just to step outside, you know, like Wayne Shorter said, uh, music without a net, you know. Mm-hmm. So just to take a chance and 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 see how far you, we can go, you know, with the music, you know, like Thundercat and, and Kamasi Washington, all those cats are doing it now. You yeah, know? yeah. But but just you know, I mean, we respect, you know, you gotta respect the the the, 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 the you know the jazz Bible, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But just, just take it, take it to other places. Yeah. I always felt when you can incorporate other parts of music, other types of music into whatever you're doing, whatever you, your preferred genre is, then it grows. It just gets better. And the people that are so traditionalist that kind of want to stay in the way it's always been, those are the ones that get stagnant. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. That's, that's what, um, this, this critic once told Uncle Miles, he said, Uncle Miles, Uncle Miles, he said, Miles, I don't know where you're going with this new electric music, you know. And, and, and Uncle Miles looked at the writer and said, well, what am I supposed to do, wait? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and that kind of said it all, you know. What am I supposed to do, wait? You know, wait for you. <laughs> so you got to push the envelope, man. You know, you know, you know it, it's, I'm, an, I'm the most nostalgic cat you ever want to meet, but... I love new shit. I love to make, I love to, 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 to see what's on, you know, can't wait to wake up to tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, see what's, see what's in store. You know, it's exciting. Okay. So now Vince, you're in charge of the Miles Davis properties and that must take up a lot of your time because there's so many albums that, that your uncle did. There's always a lot of interest in what he's done. So, that must take up a lot of your time going forward. Are there any new projects that maybe, you know, no one knows about that are in the works? Well, the Miles Davis properties consist of Aaron Davis, Miles' youngest son, Miles' daughter, Cheryl Davis, and myself. And so we have a, 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 you know, we have a slew of lawyers and, and accountants and, and, and and we have a great publisher, Cobalt Music. So, if we get anything like we we, we get hit with tons of um, um, licensing, uh, uh, you know, people who want to use Uncle Miles' music. So we just deal with it systematically. You know, it comes through through the channels, and Aaron and Cheryl and I vote on it and say yes or no. So I hope that answers your question. Now, in terms of the music. We, what we try to do, we sit down, we have meetings, and we work with the labels to try to see what's the best way to market, what the next project will be. So, so for, 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 your, for, our, for your fans or our listeners, or, we, 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 it's just, this is like a, a, a process. You know, it's not like we just sit up and say, oh, let's put this out, let's put this out. Let's put, it's, it's thought of uh, down, to the, down to the T, to down to the, to the album cover, to the to the photos of the album cover, to what music, which songs in that period. So, so it's, it's a process, but the way we have it, it's, it's, it's a group of us along with the label, you know, a, a group, it's a team, mm-hmm. it's a team effort. So it's not like, it's like painstaking. Plus we love the music. You got to love music. And to go into the vaults and hear this unreleased music is like, it's like Christmas every day. Is there a lot of it? 
Oh, tons of it. It's just finding the right things to release. That so it's not so we're not trying to to um, you know to um, to saturate or, 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 or put too much music out. You know. That brings up a question. I'm sure you've been following what happened with the Universal Vault and the big fire that happened ten years ago. Where is your uncle's archives at? Are they safe? No, Sony. They have they, these vaults like are harder than Fort Knox to get in. Oh. So the music is safe in, in, in different vaults and different labels. The Miles, the, the catalog from, from Universal safe, and all the Sony music is safe. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's in good hands. And the art. You know, we have artwork. Oh, sure. That's yeah. in the vault, you know, because Miles painted. Yeah, right, right, of course. Yeah. Oh. I've talked to a lot of archivists that would tell me that they never know what they're going to find because boxes are mismarked. They just never know. Sometimes they're not marked at all, and you have to really go through and, and listen. Is there a lot of that, or is it pretty well documented? No, it's it's, it's both, you know. It, it's it's and then And then a lot of times... Collectors are sending like live concerts and, and things that I've never heard, you mm, know. And yeah. We're like, wow, this would be great to put out. I mean, Carlos Santana has tons of live uh, 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 music from all. He's a collector. Huh. Not not only Uncle Miles, Jimi Hendrix and Bob Marley, and you know, he's got a place up at the Bear in it. So we get we get tapes and 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 get and we look through things that are unreleased. Uh, along with uh, we have a. Uh, um, a um, guy by, by the name of Steve Berkowitz who used to be at Sony. So Steve knows the catalog real well. Um, and then he'll, he'll send Aaron and I an email and say, hey guys, check this out. And we'll listen to it. He's like, yeah, man, the quality is great. Let's, let's try to put it out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a great system we have. And the labels are always like, um, um, you know, in our corner. Sure. And vice versa. There's never really any conflict of, you know, with the labels, thank God, or with our family, with our with the inner with the, with Aaron and then Cheryl and I, and that helps. That makes it healthy. No kidding. Okay, Vince. Last question: What's the best piece of business advice that you received from anybody, or you learned along the way? Well, Uncle Miles used to always he was smart in, in making investments. And um, uh, he had great investments in, 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 in publishing. He was a stickler about songwriting and publishing and composing and, you know, building a catalog. He has one a great, you know, as we see, you know, he's, been, he's passed away in 91. And he's kind of blue is still the, the biggest jazz sonic record of all time. Yeah, yeah. So you want to stay... You want to you want to be in contact with your managers. You want to you want to be in contact with your accountants. You want to try to save uh, uh, money for you know for, you know for retirement. Um, and you want to keep evolving because if you keep evolving, then 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 you might get onto another niche of of of, um, of you know. Your music expands. Yeah, you know, sure. we all we're always trying to reach a wider audience of music. Sure. You know, I mean, of listeners. Yeah. You, we're always trying to reach a wider audience. So, it's not about reinventing yourself as as, as far as as much as it is. It's about 
reaching as many uh, uh, people as you can with what you have, you know? Um, so you, so to answer your question, you have to stay on your business sense. You know, you, you, nowadays, you just can't play music. You have to, you have to have an accountant. You have to have a great lawyers, great team of lawyers. Have have the, uh, a healthy relationship with your label. You know, yeah. Great publicists. That's important too. You know, thank God we we have Karen Sundell and Rogers and Cowan. You know, and 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 and, and, and when you when you start your day, Bobby, you know, be 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 thankful for what you have. You know that that gets me through the day. Yeah. You know, it's a blessing, man. That 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 I can wake up and play music, or work on, or be related to somebody who's changed the course of music four or five different times, and 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 and, and bask in that, you know. Yeah. And try to treat people great, you know. That that helps, man. You know, we need the love, man. Yeah. And I listen to music every day. If I'm not playing it, or writing, or composing, I'm, I have music on in the house. I got that from Uncle Miles. He'll, he'll turn the TV down and have the sound down on the TV or off, but music's always around. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, send them to questions at bobbyoinnercircle.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyoinnercircle.com, or you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn, and Radio Public. At BobbyOsinski.com and BobbyOwnerCircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts to new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time. Bobby Osinski.